This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. This is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Uh, one guest this week, but it is an excellent one. Mark Spears is somebody, if you're an NBA fan, you are well aware of. He's a senior NBA writer for Anscape, one of the most prominent NBA voices in the country. You've seen him on myriads of ESPN shows probably seen his work on ESPN.com when it pops on there he's had a long and distinguished career uh, worked at Yahoo Sports the Boston Globe uh, many other places he was just awarded the Kurt Gowdy Media Award by the Basketball Hall of Fame for uh, print digital work he went in there with Holly Rowe his ESPN colleague this is essentially about the highest honor that one can get when it comes to basketball media and so Mark Spears now will be, uh, he'll be eternal. He'll be in the Hall of Fame forever. And we had a great conversation just on um, Mark's work, which I have always found to be incredibly unique in uh, the NBA. He, um, he's written a lot about the intersection of uh, race and sports in the NBA, race and culture. Um, you know, obviously, historically, has broken a lot of uh, stories as well. Um, but if you sort of just hear from NBA players in terms of Mark Spears, they just have like the utmost respect for the guy. Uh, you know, it's one of the most respected uh, sports writers in the country and certainly one of the most respected NBA people. So we had a great conversation on a lot of different uh, avenues. And this was the first time that he had come on any podcast for me, whether it was uh, the sports media one or the one I did at SI. And so this was great. Um, I really enjoyed it. So uh, Mark Spears coming up on the sports media podcast. All right, listen, as I said at the top, I'm very excited to have this guest. Mark Spears is the senior NBA writer for Anscape and one of the most prominent NBA voices in the country. You have, if you're a basketball fan, seen him on a myriad of ESPN platforms when it comes to that league. He has a long and distinguished career, including stops at Yahoo Sports, the Boston Globe, Denver Post. Um, there's more on that resume. And one big one that just happened, he was just awarded the Kurt Gowdy Media Award by the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, went in the same weekend as Holly Rowe, who received, uh, I think if I'm right about this, Holly Rowe would have been on the broadcast side, markets like the print digital side. Um, and that's an amazing thing. My buddy Jack McCallum is in the Hall of Fame, who I worked with for many years at SI, and it's just a cool thing for um, to be part of like this eternal museum. So that's really a great honor for Mark Spears. And with that, I'm pleased to be joined by Mark Spears. Welcome to the sports media podcast, man. Thanks for having me and uh, man, respect to you and all the work you do talking to us about us scribes and us people behind the mic, man. I, I just, uh, you're, you're a legend when it comes to that and you're the, you're the, one of the Bibles. So 
Thank you for what you do too, brother. That's good. To, so you just as they say in wrestling, Mark, you just put me over a little bit too much hype, but still, I, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, all right, so let's. I want to get into the Kirk Gaddy uh, media award because it's a it's a pretty amazing honor. I, I'm generally speaking, as I told you before we started, I'm not really like sort of big on that world. Uh, I mean, I obviously respect people who win these awards, but sometimes they're political and and sometimes it's sort of friends voting for friends, but not this one. Kirk Gaddy Media Award um, is about contributions to the game of basketball and people who have really put their life and heart and soul into it. The people who have won that award are really legendary in the NBA. And so first, congratulations on that. But I think for my audience, I think what they'd be interested in is, so like what happened What happened for you behind the scenes last week? Like, do you get to like see parts of the museum <laughs> that like nobody else sees? Or I don't know, do you have like these private moments with like Dr. J and like Kareem or something like that? So, you know, you're like, uh, you're a made man now. So what's it, what, what's it like to be behind <laughs> the scenes on that? Um. You know, unfortunately, well, well, actually, no. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start with your first question. One of the people that worked with the Hall of Fame told me this was the first time that nothing was scheduled at the Hall of Fame. Like, not one event was scheduled there, other than like uh, post parties. So, typically, right before the Hall of Fame ceremony, they have a big party where a lot of people go to and. They moved it to the top of the Marriott to this like beautiful rooftop area. And I was like, I gotta go see my name. <laughs> like I can't I can't leave here where like my mom went and saw it the day before. And um this is I'm talking like induction day for the I, I call it for the varsity. Um and so the driver I had, great guy, man, he snuck me in. And I basically was in a museum pretty much by myself looking at all these names, right? And some of the names you mentioned and guys that were really near and dear to me, like David Aldridge and Michael Wilbon and Jackie McMullen, who I work with at the Globe and Bob Ryan, who I work with at the Globe. And so it's like, I had my behind the scenes moment where I, like, I'm like, wow, that's my name right there. <laughs> like it's to, to, like you said, it's eternal. And so, but to know my mom got to see it the day before, that was super special to me. My father has ALS. So I, I mentioned him in my speech. He wasn't able to come out. And my sister, you know, basically was with him um, watching the ceremony live uh, when it took place. So for at least my mom to see it, like, that's priceless to me. Uh, but the behind the scenes stuff, yeah, it was cool. Like, I'm, I've, I've had a great relationship with Tony Parker. So it's like uh, through him, I got to know, well, I, I, through him, I got to got, get closer with Thierry Henry, the soccer legend. And, uh, yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan, so me and him become friends. And he actually, like, texts me, like, yo, you here? <laughs> Which I like. I was like, yeah, I'm cool, man. Henri cares if I'm at the Hall of Fame yet, right? And so, like, it was like my crew or Tony's crew of boys, like, who was louder at, at the Hall of Fame stuff. But, you know, I got time with Tony and behind the scenes and, and talked to Roy Williams and um, got to see all these like legendary people, you know, um, artist Gilmore sat at my table, uh, not at my table, but like, you know, before uh, the Friday sat ceremony, I don't think he knew who I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still though. It's that, no, that's no, a, no, that's no, a that living legend. I don't legend. know that he knew or yeah. he cared. I tried to engage him on some stuff that Dan Issel told me once. 
Hayes, but I, you know. yeah, I love the uh, I love those ABA stories and legends. Um, yeah, it's awesome. And by the way, uh, Thierry Henry has become an excellent broadcaster. I don't know if you ever watched no, and, the Champions League stuff. He's we he's no great. no we I, we talked we talked in depth about that. And you might find this interesting. Like he wanted my take on how he's done, and I'm like, dude, you're amazing. You're you're like really really good. You're really natural. And if if football, as I, the real football, was more popular in the states, their show would be deemed like NBA. I mean, uh, you know, the one on Turner. You're right? told, you're, um, you're, I, I've written this. That show to me is right now between Kate Abdo, who I love, Jamie Carragher, Thierry, um, um, Mike Richards. They're yeah. the, they're the closest equivalent to inside the NBA. Now it's yeah. obviously it's a it's a different sport, but the yeah. what the way that show can go from like humorous and making fun of each other to a serious topic yeah. on racism. Yeah. They're the, yeah. to me the closest show that does that to inside the NBA. I I'm with you. Yeah. I love they're great. They are a great show. Well, and you might find this interesting in in your future shows. Maybe you could delve into this, but uh T was also telling me that um a lot of people in Europe are watching their show. And I'm like, how do they do that? And he said, oh, man, they got all these little different things where they could like pirate things where they could watch. And he said, our show, which is kind of as definitely an American style, isn't normal. He said, oh, usually the, the, the shows out there, the football shows are boring. They're just straightforward. And he said that, but because we have so much humor and so much fun, people are tuning in to our show overseas, which really has surprised them and pleased them. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's a cool guy to know. I mean, yeah. everything about Thierry Henry just sort of speaks cool. And so that uh, yeah. um, that's that's excellent. All right, I want to let's get a little bit into your perspective and career. You joined ESPN in the mid-2010s, I mean, like 2015 or 2016. 16. Okay, right. Um, you started with The Undefeated. That's now known as Anscape. Uh, but you... Um, you know, you're you're a very prominent figure on a lot of the ESPN studio shows and you've did you you know, you, your stuff's gonna get popped on ESPN.com and stuff. The company, like all companies, including mine, has changed dramatically in the last uh, five, seven years. Um, has your job changed as ESPN has changed? You know, it's funny, I feel like I'm in a, a corner office all by myself. And, and kind of get left alone. And so I always tell people, I feel like I have the best job covering NBA in, in, in the league um, because I get to write about race and culture, and but through an NBA lens. Uh, but I still, you know, get an opportunity to break stories and and still do the NBA side like NBA Today or Sports Center or, you know, I was uh, blessed with the ability to break the Jalen Brown contract story and Draymond Green's contract. So I could basically jump over to the ESPN.com side or the, you know, NBA Today side and then jump back into what I do, um, where I, I feel like I've been, I guess the reason why I think I got able to, I was able to get in this room other than longevity is the fact that I write about things that people probably are really uncomfortable to write about. You know, uh, race and culture, I've written a lot about you know, uh, the lack of black coaches and general manager front office types in the league. And and I, I've been told that that has made an impact in terms of getting people jobs that may otherwise not have gotten them or 
gotten the attention. Uh, women in the NBA, uh, LGBTQ plus community, and even like stories in Africa, like bringing highlight to the Basketball Africa League and been Africa a couple times. And so I, I just love telling the stories that are outside the gym. Like, I, I think we know who's great. And, but even a guy that's like the 13th man, sometimes he has an amazing story that needs to be told. And so the blessing I have is I'm not, you know, basically like told you can't write about this guy because he's not a top 10 player or his jersey isn't popular. You know what I mean? Like if it's an amazing story, I'll get the opportunity to write it. And so I I really enjoy um, being able to like educate, test boundaries, and and then tell these these stories that make these people more, these basketball stars more human. Yeah, it's probably also um, nice not to be tethered to the news cycle, which is endless and 24-7, and uh, especially in the sport that you cover. I want to ask you about that, though, because um, – you are unique in the fact that you're a writer who writes uh, about the intersection of race and sports and culture and sports. Um, and there are certainly some other people in the country who do that, but um, there's not necessarily many people in the country who have that your specific position. So on the one hand, um, it's a significant responsibility, which you clearly have taken seriously. Um, but how do I ask this? On the other hand, like I don't know, do you sometimes feel like I don't know if lonely is the right word, Mark, but you know what I mean? That you're sort of, but you're like a one of one. The reality is there's no NBA beat reporter who ever doesn't feel like, oh, well, there's this other guy, even if he's not covering my team, like he's ex- he or she are experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing on a content basis. Yeah. But that's not the case for you. You are a very yeah. unique figure in the U.S. to me. Well, I feel like the only time that uh, other writers were pretty much doing much of the same thing was in the bubble. You know, I was there for 90 days and it, it was like cool, right, to write about race after George Floyd. It was it was trendy. It was a thing to do. But I, I kind of felt like once we left there, once this cooled down, you know, I got a lot of calls from people after George Floyd, people that weren't black saying like, man, what could we do? Um, I feel so bad. Like, I, I can't believe this stuff is happening. And I was like, it's been happening. <laughs> it's not stopping. But that energy you have now, like, don't let it just be seasonal and make you feel better because you called me. Like, make it go beyond to make it the rest of your life. And uh, to be honest, I feel like a lot of that energy that was in the bubble to talk about social justice, to talk about race, to to bring highlight to the pains of African-American community and other people of color, like, once it wasn't trendy anymore, it cooled out. And then this isn't just from non-black writers, black writers as well, you know. Um, and and perhaps the, a lot of the players aren't beating the drum as much either, right? Um, but um, which is kind of sad. Uh, but I, I, I do feel like when my days are all said and done, that I was able to find a lane that meant more than just a headline in terms of who got traded, who got signed. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've done a lot of that too, but like wrote stories that maybe like 15, 20, 50 years from now, people will read and say, Hey, you know, the highlight that was brought to this 
help make change. And that is something that is, you know, super meaningful to me because I, I feel like and this is not shade on anybody else, but I actually have figured out a way to write about things that could bring change to the NBA world and perhaps bring highlight to things in the world that, that, that people need to be educated on. That's well said. I want to ask you a follow-up on that. Um, to do the kind of stories you do, you absolutely need institutional backing. And I think by and large, ESPN's given you that. Like they've, they've, they support you financially. They support you. Yes. Um, yes. You know, no whatever, emotionally, psychically, however you want to, uh, uh, promotionally, however you want to say it. That said, the kind of pieces that you do, um, and I, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine what it's like to experience. There is always blowback from it, particularly on in social media, um, because there's there always will be people who are like, we don't want you to write about things off the court, like you know, keep keep the focus on the game. Why does everything have to be about race and politics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So does that? I mean, you clearly are doing it, which is great, but I wonder. Does that get exhausting, the feedback? And, and if it does, which I imagine the answer is yes, like how do you deal with it or how do you move on? Like what what's your – maybe some writers who are listening can learn about this. Like what's your process to sort of blow through what you inevitably know will be blowback on every piece you write? They threw stones at Jesus. They'll certainly throw stones at me. <laughs> like I really don't there's, – there's a rap term that I love um, – if they ain't hating, you ain't popping. And I, I remind myself of that. I, I don't really delve into the comments. I actually laugh at them. Um, people are a product of their environment in a lot of ways, right? Or, or their miseducation. So everybody's not going to like what I have to say, man. It, it could be the most eloquent, beautiful gift to make the world better. And somebody going to be able to throw a flame at it and not like on so i don't like i i have friends in the journalism world i told them like why do you care about what some dude in iowa with 250 followers thinks you know if my peers have a problem with it uh, or if a player had a problem with it i'd probably feel differently but i i I truly realize that everybody's not gonna like what i write but what i write is an opinion it's fact it's, it's not like these are columns I'm writing. I'm, I'm writing what's happening, what's going on. Uh, I believe to be, you know, balanced and, and well-reported. So there, I, I don't worry about the opinions because I'm just telling them, um, I'm, de- I'm, I'm delivering the paper. <laughs> if you don't like what it says, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it's what's happening. And so I, I don't lose any sleep. Every once in a while, something will get me like it's, it's, uh, most, most of the, some, you know, oh man, you're bald, you're fat. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't see your picture on there. Let me see what you look like. Yeah. No, it's a good, that's right. A good, but I, I, but I can lose weight. I, I, <laughs> I, I like your, uh, I like your, equal I just, look. I just, you know, like it's cliche to say, man, I don't care. I don't care. I just really realized that everybody's not going to like me, man. Yeah, that's it's a good equilibrium to have. Yeah. One of the um one of the hallmarks for me of your work over the years is that I feel like your subjects trust you. 
Like you get really good access. And then once you get that access, like I, I think you use it, like the use it to educate and inform us. Um, the NBA, I mean, not just the NBA, every sport, every major sport really in many ways, Mark, as you know, is kind of access driven at this point. Um, so players seem to trust you. How, how, in your opinion, why is that? And how did that come to be? I, I think it's almost like, um, Somebody saying, hey, man, this place, it's a good restaurant, man. You should go. And that someone eats there. And then they tell somebody. And what I mean by that, I think in a lot of ways, it's been word of mouth, right? Um, you could trust him. He's going to be fair. I, Greg Popovich has said that I'm fair, which is one of the most meaningful words I've gotten from anybody. Damon Lillard in a recent interview said that I'm fair. And he's an Oakland guy, and I live, you know, I live in the Oakland area. You know, he knows I'm going to be fair. I'm not just going to just tout Dame. And so, I think they know that once I'm one, I'm fair. I'm gonna tell their side of the story, but I'm as comfortable with a CEO as I am with a janitor. So I I could tell the story in a way, you know, perhaps with the majority of the players being African-American, perhaps because I play college basketball and understand the game. It helps me understand. I'm also minored in psychology. Ah, so I think perhaps the way I know a minor doesn't sound like much, but I think the way I ask questions like Kobe Bryant once told me, man, you always ask all these Dr. Seuss ass questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I took that as a compliment, right? But that, that I, you know, I have some more depth to it, but you know, years and years in writing these stories, like it pays dividends. I remember Chauncey Billups telling Kyle Lowry, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Hey, man, you can trust him. You could do something with him. Or a guy like George Hill may not be a big name, but he's he's done some prominent things in, in the bubble, like yep. help leading the Bucks to the boycott. Like he doesn't do a lot of in-depth interviews, but there was a guy from the Jazz that said you could trust him when he played for the Jazz. Hmm. He'll he'll do right by the story, you know. So like getting time with Ben Simmons or going with I've known Chris Paul now for twenty years and them saying, hey, you know, we're gonna go on this private jet from for my graduation and my family's gonna be in there, but I'm I my family knows you, they're comfortable with you. Um, like I know Chris knows I got a job to do, but he feels like it's gonna be a fair account and that it's gonna be a respectful account. So. I think the reputation has preceded me. And now they like, they call me uh, OG uncle. Right. And it's weird. Cause right. remember a couple of years ago, Harry Giles played for the Kings. He's at an NBA. Now I was yep. interviewing him. He turned to somebody he goes, man, Mark Spears is interviewing me. And I, like I heard him, like he didn't, he's tried to just like whisper it to somebody, but I, I had to realize now I've been covering the NBA since 99. Like a lot of these young dudes in the league, like literally grew up reading me. Yeah. Or seeing you on TV. Yeah. And then I, I did little things, man. It, it like I was in 2K mm. for a few years and not because I wanted to, I'm some big video game guy. I realized that like the young, young kids played 2K. So like right. uh, the Thompson twins, um, Asar and the men who just got top five pick in the NBA. They told me, yeah, man, we used to see you on 2K all the time. <laughs> or or going to events where, 
you know, they got high school events or, or, or college events. Like I go to NCAA tournament or the hoop summit and things like that, uh, in order to, um, try to meet them when they're young. This, um, you know, th- th- because you've been doing this a long time, it, my sense is that this sort of this isn't as impactful for you as it might be for others. But one of the things that uh, I, obviously true of all pro sports, but it really feels particularly to the NBA, is how important it is to have relationships with player agents um, from your uh, side. And again, you're not doing the day to day stuff, so maybe you know transactionally, so maybe a little bit different, but. Uh, for my audience, like how important are how important are agents and agencies when it comes to media access in the sport that you cover? A good question. Um, every agent ain't trying to help me out. <laughs> there have been a, there have been several agents who've gotten in my way, you know. Um, but there are a large contingent who trust me and who will call me and say, because of what you said, like the the more personal stories, they'll call me and seek me out and say, hey, Mark, I got this. Interested? Hell yeah, I'm interested in that, right? So, you know, it's the the agent business is is an interesting thing because every every one of them, I guess, has their favorites. I, I think in a lot of ways, I don't know if I'm viewed as a newsbreaker guy anymore, so the same people that I'm st- I still have great relationships that were giving me news, perhaps don't give it to me anymore, but they give me stories. They give me feature stories. But ultimately, I mean, the ESPN, we have the best newsbreaker there is. So that's not, I don't have to shoot that shot. I, I, I take them from time to time. Every once in a while, I'll make some crazy three. Yeah. It's good right? to let like people just, know you still have the range. Yeah, right. Jalen Brown <laughs> and, uh, you know, Draymond Green. But I mean, shoot, Woes is. He's got a bomb named after him, right? So, like, <laughs> that's his job. Right. That's where he he excels. That's where he he's a go at. So, it, in actuality, because we used to work together at Yahoo, that's right. It takes a lot of pressure off of me because I don't have to chase these ambulances all the time. Yeah, you know no, what I mean. There's, uh... but because of my, I think because of my relationship with Jalen, like he wanted me to have that. Yep, and that's kind of where the the relationship thing goes. Terms of Draymond, Draymond, I would say Draymond's my boy. He didn't give me that. I heard that from other sources. <laughs> like, no, kind of disappointed, Draymond, that you didn't give me that scoop. I'm, I'm saying this publicly, right? Because I, I knew him <laughs> when he was, you know, buying subway sandwiches when he was playing summer league, coming off the bench. So, like, no, he didn't get Draymond didn't give me that scoop, and he probably wondering how I got it. I still got it, Draymond. Nice, I love it. And I'll see you. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. But uh, no, nah, I mean, um. Like you said, I I I I don't call them bombs. I guess what I I, I call them some paper planes. I throw a paper plane every Fire, now fireworks there. instead of bombs. Yeah, yeah. Um, sparklers, sparklers. There you go. Um, you have uh, the, I'm going to ask this for me because uh, I live in Toronto and I I just find this topic interesting and I don't know if there's a better person, quite frankly, I could ever talk to to even answer this. So you've done long form examinations on how black NBA players have embraced, let's say, playing in Utah or Boston. One of the things that's always fascinating too. to me yeah. about Toronto um, is there's there's long been a perception in the city. It's not just basketball, by the way. It's sort of other sports. So it's changed a little bit. Is that like the Raptors cannot get a 
big time free agent to come here, particularly an American born free agent. Probably isn't necessarily the same if like it was Luca or uh, Giannis, but there's always been like that tag that an American born superstar would not necessarily come to Toronto. I don't know if it was necessarily like race based. It might even been like taxes based and stuff. But from your perspective, yeah, <laughs> definitely is, ain't race based. Every yeah. time I go there, I don't. Well, I was just going to ask you, sort of like from your <laughs> from from your reporting, what have yeah. um what have um, African American players in the NBA thought about the city of Toronto and playing in Toronto? Um, maybe they're just a, just seems odd to them to be in another country. I hear more about the taxes. Yeah. Oh, they're big. So, I mean, perhaps you can explain that more to me. Like, when the thing I hear is like, man, they hit your, hit your check too hard. Another thing that, you know, I'll say seems to be pretty difficult. Um, I believe, and, and this is something, uh, like I said, I believe, I don't, I don't know this is to be true, that the Raptors may be the only team that had to fly out of a commercial airport. You know, and that seems to be question. a pain, pain yeah. to deal with. Yeah, I don't know like that, when, but that that could you you could be right about that. Yeah, that yeah. seems logical. So yeah. When when I was covering NBA Finals, um, Warriors Raptors flying out of Pearson, right? Yep, that's the, the international Pearson. one. Yep. And I'm like, why are the Raptors here? They had their own gate. They their, their plane came, but like there was no for some reason like they had to like go through customs to depart and. So I think, like, when I talk to players, they love it. They have a great time there. Trust me. They have an amazing, amazing time there. Um, the culture, the food, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of New York City, right? A lot of ways, it reminds me of the Bay. Um, I, I think it's more about them being taxed and more about how difficult it is to, when you, you know, you, you, every time you fly in, you got to fly to there. Like with with every other NBA team, you just go to the private airport, step on the plane, boom, right. you're gone. Yep. There, you got to go to the regular airport and check in with the regular folks. And Customs. Go to a regular gate, and and that could I think that part of the travel grind could be, um, could could be you know wear on the players during the course of the season. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. A couple more here. Um, I, I'm in uh, no rush, man. I'm enjoying talking to you, brother. Oh, beautiful. Okay. I see you. I, where I, I, I was happy that you even wanted to talk to me. Well, listen, man. We, we have never talked on this podcast. So, uh, and I give a yeah. shout out, in fact, to your guy, Boomer Dangle at CSE, yeah. who reached out to okay. me and said, uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm, I've listened to the podcast. I'm a fan, but I don't think Mark Spears has ever done this podcast. And I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. He hasn't. Um, so shout out to him. Um, yeah, boomer, big boomer. Yeah, the um, the I don't think this is really gonna um pertain to the kind of work that you do, but do do you have any thoughts on like the importance for you of ESPN retaining um 
NBA media rights. Like the reality is, Mark, you can do your stories, whether ESPN's broadcasting basketball or not. But I would yeah. argue the company will in will absolutely invest more in NBA coverage if they are connected in terms of games. And having talked yeah. to many executives, it is must have, not want to have. Yeah. So I think they will retain in some form, but it's always interesting to me to ask the writers this. Like, how do you feel about yeah. that? Because you could do your job without it, but it must help that you work for the place that is the that is one of the media rights holders. No, I mean, I, I this is that's above my pay grade. I I believe that we'll certainly have it. You know, David Roberts and everybody at the NBA. I know Bob Iger is a big NBA fan, yep. so I I can't see the ESPN without having NBA. Uh, knock on wood. Yep, as you hear. Um, but no, it's, it's certainly a, a, a feather in our cap that's different because I think ESPN is the only entity where the writers have a television platform. Wow, I mean, I go. guess the NBA.com does as well, it's but it's not really though. used in the same yeah. way. Like, you know, Turner or the, they don't respectfully, they don't really use their writers. Yep. They throw them on NBA TV and stuff like that, but you, you don't really see them on the, you know, the, the show that they have. So you know, to have NBA Today daily, a daily platform to talk about the NBA, to have Sports Center like no one else has that. And that's that's a that's a beautiful feather in our cap that um I think we have an amazing team of talent. I think we work well together, we respect each other's uh lanes and and we're we're always giving each other's assists and trying trying to help each other break stories or become aware of things but i i definitely know that like my ability to like in an in landscape i could do if like i did in the during a draft i had a thompson twins draft story also had something on scoot henderson that anscape did uh, yeah. but anscape's under the espn and disney umbrella right right and if i write for anscape I, like i tell people like Hey, when I write the story for Anscape, it's also going to be on ESPN.com as well. And then if we do a video and the video is good, then it can get on SportsCenter or NBA Today, which was the case with Thompson Twins video during the draft and also Scoot Henderson family video. Like both of them made SportsCenter and NBA Today. So there's some things that uh, can like make it even more attractive for me to do a story because I could, I could add the visual lane to it as, as well as the written lane. Yeah. Um, you, uh, this is not, uh, on YouTube, so it's not, you can see Mark, but I'll tell people that he's wearing an LSU shirt. Um, and I know that you're into women's basketball. Did you, um, uh, you probably, I'm sure you watched it if you weren't there, but, um, the, that program is unbelievable. Like, whether you like Kim Mulkey or not, you never can uh, – you have to give her respect as a coach and a recruiter. And so uh, as a basketball guy, I just wanted to get your perspective. Like they they turn that thing around. They look like they're a juggernaut now. And probably most importantly for the sport, they in Iowa were part of the most watched women's basketball game yeah. in history, a shade under 10 million. I mean we're talking yeah. – when you get to 10 million, you know, you're not talking like – World Series games nearly viewership and like that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. what's your thought on 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 LSU in terms of just becoming this quick women's basketball power? Well, you know, I actually got to know uh, Kim Mulkey. I did um, 
the the press conference um when she went to the hall of fame i i did the um uh the press conference for like three years oh, right I know that interesting and um one of the years is when she came in so i got my master's in LS at lsu and ah, sports cool. business management yeah I got my bachelor's from San Jose State. Right, I knew that. So I'm very close to both athletic programs. Uh, San Jose State basketball is trying to make a turnaround as well, men's and women's. Um, but Kim Mulkey, man, she's a character. She's a character. And, like, going to Louisiana is, like, my mom's from New Orleans. I, they live in New Orleans. My parents do. I'm, a lot of people think I'm from there. You know, I could say Chapatulis. You know, <laughs> I could tell you where to get the best gumbo and 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 – how to where to get the best daiquiris at 1 a.m. Right. Um, so I, I love LSU just as much as San Jose State and, and seeing what she did. And, you know, my girl, Dawn Staley, man, I love Dawn Staley. But I, <laughs> but I, there, there's allegiance when they LSU's involved. Right. And <laughs> um, I, I talked to um, it's interesting over the summer. I talked to Haley Van Lith, who. Yeah, made it even better. The transfer from Louisville. That's right. So I mean, adding her, she's nice, right? And met her, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll probably be LSU for a year, and then you know maybe I'll go to WNBA." I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> Two. I said the men I help people, man, in LSU, like they ain't gonna let you go nowhere once they get to see her up close and personal and watch what she does. So. Um, yeah, no, that basketball program is crazy. Like my mom watches all their games yeah, and she's not worried about going to LSU football games, which you know are crazy. Yep. Been there. LSU basketball. She's like, when are we going to, uh, when you come in in town and taking me to the <laughs> women's game and, uh, Holly Rowe, I'm putting this out there. Holly, Holly promised my mom that she could, uh, she's going to take her to a game and I love it. Oh yeah! Int introduce her to Kim. So I, I, I put that out, Holly. You said you told my mom that. I didn't tell you to tell. So my mom is expecting Holly. If to uh, if Holly Rowe is the chaperone, that's like going with the mayor of uh, of of women's college basketball. So that's that's exactly. that's that's how you, you want that's traveling right. Uh, yeah, Holly yeah. is the Holly's the best. So um, I got my mom wears her LSU women's championship t shirt proudly and yeah. watches all their games. She once yeah. told. Uh, the day I graduated from LSU, I got to go into the locker room uh, football and like take some pictures. And Ed Ogeron was there <laughs> and she met Ed Ogeron. And I was like, I said, this is the only time I ever heard my mom lie in my life. She told Ed Ogeron, she goes, I pray for you before every game, coach. <laughs> I'm like, why you tell that man that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but no, nah, she, she, she loves LSU women's basketball. Um, it's a huge, huge deal in Louisiana, and uh, I, I got to get her to a game. Yeah, no, they're loaded, and they got a great track. They got a great recruiting class too. On top of obviously who they have coming back. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, last one from me. Um, you have... a. Uh, Along with writing um, and your sort of your ESPN work, 
you are executive producing and hosting a um, a show on. Let me make sure I have this correct. It, it's a show about conversation, but it sort of revolves around food and wine. I don't know. You can tell me if it has a yeah. run date yet, but this is like a legit thing. This is going to be running on Hulu. Um, I probably conversations should. project. Yeah, yeah. Com- like does it have a title? I apologize because yeah. it seemed like what's the title? Uh, so the title of the show is called the Conversations Project. Okay, you can ex- you can explain it and give the yeah. promotion for this because clearly my preparation on this question sucked, Mark. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> but I I appreciate you asking. Um, last about a year, year and a half ago, myself and a chef by the name of David Lawrence, who's in the Bay Area, uh, we decided to try to do a show like bringing athletes to vineyards, interviewing them, and chef was a renowned chef was you know, going to cook a meal for them. And uh, so we do an interview with a wine tasting and then the chef would curate a meal based on them as a person. And we did a pilot with Terrence Mann at the Clippers. Oh, wow. And then at the end of it, we go to dinner with the wine and, and, the, and, the, and the food and, and have a big round table conversation with other people. Note, and in the pilot, it was Brian Shaw and his wife, Nikki, Chef Nikki Shaw and W. Kamau Bell came and some other folks, Brene Royale, a black woman who's huge in the wine world. And, but basically it was more so like a, a discussion, a dinner, like a, almost like an African-American iron sharpens iron dinner. Um, that once we did the pilot and sent it into Anscape and Hulu, they liked the dinner and decided to just do, make the dinner as a show, call it the conversations project. Huh. We're also like, highlighting like black wines uh like jay moss and theopolis and mcbride sisters p harrell um and uh basically now what it turned into was a show in which we bring eight interesting african-american people to a table well five uh along with the host which is me chef david lawrence and elaine welteroth who was on project runway and was right editor of teen vogue so what happens is in the beginning like we start passing out the wine and showcase the black owned wine and then chef was remarkable you know brings out a, a appetizer like black eye pea cake and, and and we start talking about the food but with each course of the three courses of the appetizer main course and dessert like we talk about different issues in the black community um and you know have a discussion on you know things that are sometimes triumphant painful hilarious sad like all the, these d- dinner discussions which is typical of discussions that i have all the time and you know i i remember seeing the cosby show when i was a kid and really digging the fact that like there was a doctor and a lawyer that were parents yeah and they were well to do um I love the movie Mo Better Blues because the way that the black men there were 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 very educated and powerful and talented or Love Jones same way or Boomerang same way. And there's just so many shows where I think it shows black people in a poor light, whether, you know, I mean, a lot of them definitely have some reality to them about being impoverished and, you know, things that might happen in the drug world or this, that, and the other, but then most, most black people ain't in that world. <laughs> like, right. uh, 
a lot of black people doing amazing things. So we wanted to have a show where we basically brought amazing people, black people together, all successful, having these iron sharpened irons conversation that some kinds things, certain topics may bring them to tears. Hmm. And so we have like rappers like Roxanne Shante and Shine and um, you know, on the show and um Roy Wood, the comedian, is on the show, and um, Natari Notton, the actress, she's on the show. Like we, we have an astronaut who told me his nickname is Afro Not on the show. Like just an clip. eclectic group of people. Yeah. That um, so we taped six episodes in New York in February. It says nothing to do with sports. Um, Solomon Thomas from the Jets is on, but so it's it's great to me because. You know, in a lot of ways, basketball defines me, but I, my friends know that I'm much deeper than that. They think I'm bougie as hell, <laughs> you know, with, with my love for wine and fine dining and stuff like that and Soho houses, right? So um, I'm really proud of this show, man. And and you don't have to be black to watch it. That's that's what I do want people to know. I, I just think it does give people the same way my story gives people insight into the black community this this show does as well and I, and I truly think it's a great watch six 30 minute shows I think people go through it and and I hope it's well received it's actually even going to be on Disney plus internationally that I, I think we're going to have bigger and brighter days of this show if it has some success so I'm really really proud of it we'll see what happens but man you know this as writers right like I got a tv show bro like <laughs> Like they gave me a TV show. The f- like, I mean, the fact that this is even where it is is just an amazing, amazing. Achievement. Yeah, Hulu, like, it's incredible to be August, like, right? yeah, the uh, uh, PR empresario, the great Magnanulo, told me August twenty eighth on Hulu. Is that that's that's August twenty eighth? Yeah. Okay, and then does it oh. uh, is the run like uh, like the following week, like every week, same time, or do you know how? No, the- they they put them all out at once. Okay, time. all so you can binge all episodes on once. August yeah. 28th comes And around. then like two days later, I think August 30th, we, we have that sitting in the room, reflect on the whole season show, you know. So that's, that's and, awesome. Um, that's I mean, you you're that, now uh you're now officially uh you know big time big time producer yet, host. Though. Do I need to get a sag card? You hell yeah, man. Every you every getting a sag card is awesome. Yeah, you yeah, probably, you might have to wait for uh yeah, hopefully the strike ends, but uh but yeah, one yeah. day you should you definitely you I'm sure you qualify now. I mean you've yeah. you've you're you'll be you'll be on air for you know multiple yeah. episodes. Right, but that's I've awesome. been able to I wrote a book, I co produced a documentary, it's on um different platforms called uh, Katrina Cop and yep, Superdome. And I ain't get a penny for, and that's a whole story for another day. But right. I can say I did a documentary. Welcome to documentary. Welcome, and, welcome yeah, to documentary man. films. Nobody does it for money. <laughs> yeah, but hey, the TV world's a little better. TV yeah. world's a little better. No, so, no. Um, Hell yeah. I mean, I don't know where the, Richard. I don't know where it's gonna go, but I'm really, really proud of it. And if this is the only season, like, 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 really and truly, man, you you know, like where we come from, like. You already you you already won, man. It doesn't really matter what happens next. Like the fact yeah, that right? this thing like, exists is amazing. Yeah, that's all. I I, I, I could say at one of these did it. You know, I had a TV show. Exactly, and I could be telling the truth. Dude, you are it's, telling it's the truth. True, hundred yeah. percent. All right, Mark Spears, senior NBA writer for Anscape. Obviously, you um, follow his work on ESPN, and it's very and it's uh, various multiple multiple platforms. Um, 
Last week was awarded the Kirk Gowdy Media Award, uh, along with our uh, um, our longtime uh, uh, pal Holly Rowe, uh, for their contributions to the game of basketball. So if you go to the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts, you will see Mark Spears in that museum. Don't blink. Don't blink. Yeah. That is uh, that's a that's an eternal honor. Uh, as long yeah. as that museum exists, he's in. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, Mark. Please man, take a picture and just send it to me on Instagram or something, man. I. Anybody, if you if you see this, you may you'll make my day if you go through oh, the museum. That. And I'll do take that. A if picture I get, if, next to my name, man. I, if I if I, I, if I, I get, love it, yeah. Get, and plus, they'll invite you back every year anyway. So now you're set. Um, Mark, I enjoyed this, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best of success. I I, I really admire um, your career and, uh, and and what you stood for, and um, and I'll be reading your stuff as I, as I have for many years. Thank you for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. And when we get to Toronto, when I get to Toronto, Soho House, bro. We going? I, I, Mark, so- Soho unlike, House unla- and Chevy's. Um, Mark, unlike you, I don't run in those circles, so you're going to have to get me in. You know? I got you. I got you, though. Right. Yeah. I got you. you. What you mentioned, a Caribbean restaurant. Yes. So how about I take you to Soho House and you take me to the Caribbean restaurant? Ups, yeah, done. I can get the, the Caribbean restaurant I can get into. That, you know, that, 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 I just need my... Uh, you know, my permanent resident card. We'll go there for dinner, and, and then afterwards we'll get a, a libation. Oh, right, good. Yeah, you you get pick the wine because, uh, yeah, the, the, I'm I'm not exactly, uh, you know, a uh, some was word sommelier. Not yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, Soho House has great sunset, so we'll have some sunset. Sunset. Playing in a world that I'm not playing. <laughs> Mark Spears, everybody. Thank you, Mark. All right, brother. Thank you. All right, my thanks to uh, Mark Spears for his time and insights. If you like these conversations, head to the archives page. Burke Magnus, the uh, president of content and ESPN, was our previous podcast. Uh, just an incredible amount of time he gave me, and I tried to cover as many things as I could that you would be interested in. So check that one out if you haven't. Before that, Men in Blazers founder Roger Bennett and uh, Sam Mewis, his partner on uh, uh Twitch live streams uh, during the Women's World Cup. She's also a uh, prominent midfielder for the U.S. national team. Those guys are really, really excellent. Stuart Mandel on television media rights in college football on the end of the Pac-12. Had uh, WWE star Becky Lynch on recently. ESPN's Andrea Carter. Michael Nathanson, the uh, prominent analyst, was on talking about Disney. And the student journalists at the Daily Northwestern who reported on Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern football. Again, if you like this stuff, leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That's how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thank you to everybody at Odyssey for their support. Thank you for